0: Hello everyone, and welcome to The Retail Refresh, the show where we talk about everything to do with retail media and technology. I'm Sabrina, and I'll be one of your hosts today.
1: And I'm Rob, I am also here. You know, Sabrina, this is our first episode, and I'm genuinely very excited about this. We've talked about this idea for so long. And if I can get personal for a second, you know, ever since I was a young boy, I I dreamed of hosting a twice monthly video series that digs into retail media and technology. Everybody said I'd never do it, but here I am. Take that, mom.
0: <laughs> Rob, that's so nice. I'm, I'm so happy that you're finally achieving this important milestone in your life. And uh, since you uh, talked about your mom, I'm just going to give her a little shout out here. Hi, Rob's mom, who might be watching her son achieve one of his lifelong goals. Um, but I'm going to bring it back to the actual topic today. Um, more importantly and more relevantly, we are kicking things off with BroadSign's resident retail expert and head of sales for the Americas, Karim Kanji.
1: Can I read his bio?
0: Yeah, go ahead. This okay. is as much your show as it is mine. Go for it.
1: This is fun. All right. So Karim was actually around the retail world for a long time before joining BroadSign. He was a manager at H&M, Esprit, and Diesel. He was a retail operations manager at G-Star. And then he worked at Lightspeed as a business development and account executive um, right before coming to BroadSign. He's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the retail space, works with several of our largest retail customers here at BroadSign. And he also bought a new car recently. I don't really know if that's especially relevant to this conversation, but it's retail and it happened. Karim, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Sabrina. Happy to be here. And I did buy a car, and I was uh, heavily influenced by what we're going to talk about a little bit today. So um, we'll, we'll keep that anecdote uh, towards the end.
1: Perfect. Is that synergy? I don't know. I don't come from business school. I don't like I don't like that word, but sure, if that's what you want to use
2: <laughs> <laughs> to describe it. But Great. it just so happened yesterday when I was picking up my vehicle that you know what we're going to talk about today really actually impacted the experience. So i um, happy to talk about it today. Love it.
0: That's great. Um, so, to kick things off, we're maybe just going to talk a little bit about the in store retail media space. There's a lot that's happening right now. Stores are starting to digitize, and it seems like there might be a little need for 101 education on the topic. So, Karim, to start things off, can you maybe give us a summary of what's going on in the retail media space? What are you seeing out there today?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's no secret that retail media has, has kind of uh, exploded. Um, you know, we. We we see it and look at this, and this is a term that's widely used as kind of the third wave of advertising. Um, you know, this kind of all started with uh, Amazon uh, and really putting a premium on, um, on monetizing their digital assets—the only asset that they really got. Uh, although they have dabbled in physical retail, as we all know, um, but it really comes down to you know the product placement on the site, you know, the search engine rankings, uh, sponsored content. This has become a huge, huge revenue dri- driver. Uh, for Amazon, and um, you know their their uh, their competitors have taken note. You know we, we had uh, the, the acquisition of Jet.com by uh, Walmart many many years ago, uh, which really kicked off their foray. Uh, and now uh, the um, the media revenue for Walmart is a three billion dollar li- uh, revenue line item them per year. Uh, and it's growing fast. So, um, you know, I think uh, retailers see the value in monetizing the uh, the assets that they've got. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, both digital, but now as well, um, the physical or four wall environment. Uh, and it's a really exciting time to be in this space for sure.
1: Yeah, you know, you're talking about some big numbers there. I figured I'd share this recent report from Group M. Uh It found that retail media currently represents about 10% of global ad spend. And it's forecasting that's going to rise to, or sorry, rise sixty percent by twenty twenty seven. Um, what do you think is going to drive that, and kind of what role maybe do you see the in store kind of experience uh, taking in that you know developing space?
2: Right. I, I think you know if we we go back to the you know the the retail media you know being established as a as a as a, as a channel, it's really about reaching consumers where they are exhibiting some kind of. Uh, Purchasing or decision-making behavior, And typically that happens uh, on an e-commerce site. Um, you know, especially over COVID, that became even became even more uh, relevant and true. Um, the bulk, you know, the, the 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 ad spend that's happening in the retail media space closely mirrors the global total ad spend in general. The bulk of it is in digital uh, at the moment. Um, however, one of the things that we see. Um, is the relevance of reaching people in a physical space. And that became, again, highlighted by where were people um, during you know, the COVID lockdown, um, and where were people after, and where are people today? And um, you know, they, there are many, many studies we, we, can, we can track on um, or touch on a little bit later, but um, it really is, people are spending more time uh, in the physical environment. I think if we look uh, at a Path to Purchase Institute uh, study um, that was released a few months ago, uh, if you look at someone like Walmart, for example, um, 125 million people are are typically their monthly audience reach on their e-commerce site. If you compare that to the bricks and mortar or physical locations, um, they're actually reaching 212 million uh, people per month. So that's almost double. Um, the number of people who are in the physical environment the same tracks with target um, 61 million online versus 118 million in store uh, as well as walgreens uh, 31 million online 71 million in store so it's almost 100% more um, more reach that uh, that you know you have with uh, with shoppers that are actually in the four wall environment because that is typically the preference of a shopper uh, and mckinsey uh, ran a report um, uh, the twenty percent of consumers uh, say that they're doing all of their shopping in store exclusively. Um, that is a huge number where um, where you know there, there is there and could be missed opportunities to reach those audiences uh, in the physical environment.
0: so let's let's talk a little bit about those missed opportunities. What role does out of home play when it comes to retail media?
2: Well, I think we can distinguish out of home in two ways. So, um, the first is the traditional out of home, or you know, traditional digital out of home, uh, which is really all about path to purchase. You know, are you reaching consumers on the way to the store? Um, you know, for example, or uh, they're doing, um, you know, they're going shopping for clothes in a, in a shopping center on the weekend, uh, and then they're going to stop at a grocery store uh, on their way home to make, uh, you know, to to get their groceries for the week and, and make Sunday dinner. Um, and how do you remind them that these opportunities, you know, to, um, to uh, interact with the brand exist uh, on that path to purchase journey? Uh, more importantly, and specific, specifically to retailers uh, and to brands, is actually reaching them at the point of purchase. So, um, you know, we, we had ran a, a webinar about a year ago, which was all about influencing ad to cart moments, how brands and retailers can do that. And I think that's where a major opportunity lies. Uh, this technology has existed for a while in terms of putting up a digital sign in a store, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean um, it's optimized or it's caught up to where the technology is today. And the technology has really matured. So this is something that retailers can address this, this opportunity to reach um, audiences, uh, you know, at that point of purchase uh, time, which complements the whole path to purchase uh, uh, journey as
1: well. If I can just jump in with some, uh, I don't know if it's an objection, a question in the online space, right? If you are looking to monetize basically any service these days, one of the first things you do after advertising is allow people to pay to not be advertised to, right? Um, what is it about in-store advertising that makes it a good idea for people who maybe are in general, a little tired of seeing ads all the time?
2: Right. It, it's really not necessarily about advertising in the context of, you know, bombarding people with ads 24-7 or, you know, the, the, the 45 minutes that, that they're in the store doing their, their Sunday shop. Um, it, it really comes kind of boils, boils down to two things. So the first is really the informational aspect of it. So teaching people to eat healthier um, or, um, you know, doubling down on a retailer's sustainability efforts. And these are all... Uh, messaging that is intended to build brand equity um, and brand loyalty with with the consumer and actually consumers respond very well to this uh, you know the, receiving this information is, is largely a positive uh, for them uh, the other side of it is the monetization piece of things of course but it doesn't always have to be an ad um, it could be a recipe idea for or tied to a particular event. It could be tied to some other kind of data source, for example, or weather, or sports score, or um, other uh, you know, um, trigger that can, that can drive contextual messaging that engages the consumer uh, in a way that could be monetized uh, by a brand. So, you know, we talked about recipe ideas. Um, you know, the, the, the possibilities are almost endless. And you know, I wanna to touch on one, uh, one really cool initiative uh, that a retailer uh, executed in, in Europe, which was really around COVID and the buy online, pickup in store. And, you know, you've got the consumer that, you know, parks, parks in their reserved parking spot and checks in on the app uh, to receive their order. And there's a screen that throws up a QR code, say, Hey, while you're waiting for your order to be delivered, uh, we can actually bring out a coffee for you while you wait. And that was leveraging the in-store cafe, which at the time was not serving customers, um, you know, in a physical manner. So uh, in order to best, and make best use of the assets that they've got, they were able to execute this kind of messaging, which solved, maybe solved a problem or maybe not a problem, but um, addressed a, a desire for a consumer to have that cup of coffee while they're waiting for their uh, order to be fulfilled. They're not just sitting in the car, staring you know, at, a, at an empty parking lot. Um, and so you have these opportunities for engagement, which um, also then tie in with a monetization opportunity. To your point, it doesn't have to be a you know, constant, consistent barrage of buy this or two, you know, buy two, get one free or 25 cents off this. I think those opportunities exist, but I don't think that's how you leverage your in-store uh, real estate in in the most optimal way, I us say.
0: I love that you mentioned contextual earlier because uh, while we were doing some research preparing for this uh, show, we, we noticed that um, Research uh, showed that contextually relevant media increases advertising awareness by 18%. So, um, you know, by adopting screens in store, by being able to run contextual omnichannel campaigns across a retail media network, all the way down, as you mentioned earlier, from path to purchase down to in store, where shoppers are showing up, they have intent to purchase. That can, that can be a huge opportunity for, for uh, these retailers. And um, I want to maybe dive into the retail media network. Uh, it's, a, it's a buzzword, it's a hot topic, retail media networks. We've been seeing it a lot in, uh, in retail news. So maybe talk to us a little bit about out of home and the role it plays in a retail media network. What's, what's the advantage of investing in in-store digital media if you already have every single other touch point in your retail media network?
2: Right. Well, there are a couple of things, um, and one of them has to do with context, actually. So, I want to maybe just drop back a little bit into that because one of the great things about retailers is that they have the absolute most important currency that um, you need for uh, for running a media network, which is data. They have very, very, very valuable, powerful sources of first party data, and so what they're able to do is, you know, reach you on your app So you know you get a notification to log into you know X retailers' uh, application and you've got your you know suggested weekly promotions and you add them to your you know coupon list or whatever and then that brings you in store. I think one thing that um, you know personally uh, I don't really do when I shop is I'm not really stuck on my phone I use it yes but what's really open is my shopping list it's not necessarily my app and there's an opportunity to reach someone in the app, but it becomes a lot of noise at that point when you're constantly flipping between an app and a shopping list blah, blah, blah. Is that a way to, um, to engage um, a consumer when they're in shopping behavior uh, mode um, in a way that's contextually relevant? Maybe, maybe not. Um, what I do know is that using that first party data and, and pairing it with things like event-based triggers Allows you to drive contextual messaging uh, in store as well. So, I, I think that that um, that that really kind of sets the tone for um, the kind of experience that you deliver to a consumer, and that's what it's all about today. You know, retailers are, are hyper focused on the the experience that customers um, are receiving when they are you know when they t- decide to go into the physical environment. So. Um, I think that's where out of home, uh, the flexibility, especially digital out of home, the flexibility it gives you uh, to change messaging on the fly. It's not static. For example, like traditional um, in-store activations, like an NCAP cap or a flyer. Um, so you're extending that digital uh, strategy from your e-commerce site, or you know your email outreach, or your social, uh, or your app into that final uh, stage, which is the point of purchase. So it really completes kind of the whole uh, customer journey uh, all the way through.
0: If I can ask a part two to that um, as a follow up, out of home is a dinosaur when it comes to advertising. It's probably the oldest form of advertising. And there's often a misconception that it's complicated. It's static billboards on the side of a road or on a bus shelter. Um, Does the technology exist today for all of this to come to life? All of the examples that you've given, is that available today?
2: Yes. Uh, it is, and we talked earlier about the maturation of of out of home and and you know what's or, or even d- digital signage and where it's come when it's not just a a screen you know with a with a DVD player playing a DVD now it's you know something entirely different, and and it, it goes to that point this whole uh, automation um, for uh, an advertiser to be able to access uh, these opportunities to address the consumer uh, in, in store. So if you think about an advertiser that's planning a campaign. They're typically going to want multiple touch points along that journey. And, you know we talked about you know, the, you know the application, a retailer's application or a loyalty application, uh, an email outreach, Perhaps there's a social media aspect to this. Um, out of home, digital out of home, both path to purchase and point of purchase can now become a part of that. Uh, and it's very, very easy for that buyer to transact in the same window pane. So there's nothing else different that they have to do. They just have to understand that um, this audience is in this place at this time. And this is the message that I would like to drive to that uh, audience. And then the retailers um, enable them to do this by having this in-store digital media channel available uh, to the buyer. So the pipes and the bridges and the roads and all that, uh, whatever analogy you want to use, that's all built. It's all there. Um, Regardless of where the the brand is, is looking to reach those audiences, the capabilities are there to deliver those audiences to the brands.
1: Um, <clears throat> at the beginning of our conversation, you yeah. kind of teased us a little bit, saying that when you bought your car, in-store media kind of influenced your experience in yeah. some way. would love to hear a bit about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, right from when we we, when we first, um, you know, were shopping for a vehicle, I, I, I visited a number of different brands and different um, uh, uh, dealerships. And one of the first one was... Um, uh, a brand that kind of specialized in more sporty cars. And so they had a huge spectacular, and by spectacular, I mean very large format uh, digital sign. And this beautiful kind of three-story atrium uh, where they were playing this you know, sizzle reel for lack of a better term of the, you know, the performance car. So you know, how fast they were, how great they were in the, in the snow, even though it's a performance car and so on. I thought, oh, that's really cool. It's really entertaining. It was really you know, visually quite, um, quite uh, appealing and, and attractive. Uh, and then we kind of switched gears, went into another uh, dealership for a brand that is known more for the reliability, safety, um, their design, um, and, and that sort of thing. And what was really cool about that is they actually took that experience and scaled it down. So it actually ended up being um, more of an informative tool where you could actually, this was a touchscreen type of a execution where you kind of scroll through and, you know, beside every vehicle on the showroom, they had a little... You know, kiosk where you could scroll down and see all the options and the pricing. And um, one of the great things about it is that the, the the sales team at the dealership, who were fantastic by the way, um, used this as a tool. Uh, they weren't using this as a a way to get out of you know asking or answering any questions, nor were they using it to push anything in particular. They were really like you know, look at it at your leisure. You know, these are the pain options that you got, and so on. And that actually, you know presented a really cool experience for us. And we ended up buying from from that particular brand. Um, and even when, you know, we walked into the dealership when uh, when we w- picked the car up, you know, they had screens, you know, showing extended warranty options, but they are, they're also screens like, this is what you can do with the vehicle. This is the vehicle, you know, um, uh, going in the snow and carrying your skis and, and all that kind of stuff. So it actually kind of closed the loop a little bit on that purchase for us. Um and obviously for me coming from that space and, you know, my partner, who's definitely not from this space at all, um, you know, I think for her, it really was like, oh, this is really cool. You know, maybe we should get a bike rack for our bikes. And I'm like, well, I don't even have a bike. You have a bike, but I don't. She's like, well, go buy a bike, you know, and get this bike rack. Um, pure upsell opportunity for, for the retailer in the end, but it was framed as a lifestyle choice or a lifestyle upgrade, almost an aspirational one. Um, and I ended up spending another 800 bucks in a bike rack. <laughs> There you go. Um, So it works. But, you know, to to go back to, um, you know, the comment of do we want to be bombarded with ads, do we want as a retailer or consumers, you know, living in this dystopian universe of being constantly bombarded with ads all the time and then having to pay to turn it off. um, I don't think that's the point with this, right? The point was really kind of um, sparking an idea, sparking this desire, sparking this, you know, Pure pressure from my partner to get healthier and go biking more in the summertime, (laughs) and and there you go, and you know you've 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 got yourself a consumer um, and and an and and an influence on a purchase uh, decision at the end. Pretty cool, yeah, pretty cool stuff.
0: So it sounds like uh, buying a bike is on your to-do list in the next couple of weeks. Now's the time. See, Now's the time. see
2: they've even upsold the bike manufacturer on that. And you would think <laughs> that they're like their competitors, you know, you know, buy a car, buy a bike, don't buy a car, buy a bike instead.
0: No, they've actually
2: uh, they've actually kind of closed the loop for the whole transportation is I don't know whatever. But yes, the bike is on the next uh, is the next to do on
0: the to on the to buy list. To buy, I have probably one more question uh, that's on my mind as, as you were talking um, through, uh, through the, 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 the advantages and, and what in-store digital media can, can, uh, can bring to the surface. So where does a retailer get started?
2: It's a good question. Um, retail organizations are complex by nature. Um, you know, they're all different stakeholders. and um, I, I think you really need to sit down and first of all, decide what the purpose of this is. Uh, we spoke to a major retailer who was very, very clear on what they wanted to do with this. So they wanted it to really be 75% um, consumer engagement and brand building and uh, you know equity building exercise, where that was really what they wanted to drive most of the time. They really wanted it to be about experience, and then of course, because they already had a retail media uh, network that that you know operates within the organization, they wanted to open up a pipe into that uh, source of of, um, of revenue. So it was important for them to have as, uh, you know, the capabilities to drive contextually relevant messaging using their own first party data for their own purposes. And then of course, open those up to the opportunities for brands to reach those audiences as well, but they were very, very clear. So I, I would really start with a goal setting exercise, you know, typically this might start from a consumer experience team or a customer experience team, uh, or even a visual merchandising team. But I would encourage a retailer to sit down and look at, you know, bring in stakeholders from all groups because this does touch merchandising this touches marketing Um, this touches you know brand equity this touches the revenue side of things it touches it operations it sounds complex but if you can get in a room and do this goal setting exercise what is it that you exactly expect from this other than just putting a screen up in the physical store uh, and playing some stuff um, that will go a long way towards then you know you'll come up with 10 more questions that'll you know spawn another 100 questions, but the more questions you ask, um, uh, you know, the, the better it is, and, and and you know, obviously, we've been in this field for a long time, it's something we can help with, but definitely trust the experts on this, um, there are different models uh, for this, but I would always say, just remember, best in practice, um, sometimes it's too good to be true, so just keep, uh, keep an eye on that as well, but, um,
1: you know, start with
2: the proper goal-setting exercise and go from there.
1: Speaking of questions, we're about to wrap up uh, and we warned you in advance. We were going to be making you be a bit creative. So what do you think would be a cool idea for an in-store retail media campaign? Cool
2: idea for an in-store retail media campaign. Um, I would love to see any kind of campaign that is driven. And this is going to be sound a little bit geeky, but hear me out on this. Um, I would like to see some, you know, a campaign that's driven from a very strong set of data, uh, whether that be from point of sale data, for example, um, messaging that's influenced by uh, inventory levels. Um, you know, coming from retail and uh, coming from retail operations in particular, that was a big, big challenge for me. Managing the kind of stock um, that I had within a particular location, I relied heavily on that data. Uh, but if I had been given an opportunity to push promotions tied to, you know, uh, stock age or, um, the amount of stock I have in my store, it would have made my life and my visual merchandiser, uh, visual merchandising team's lives a lot easier. Uh, Sabrina, I think you and I both worked for uh, a company that uh, did very, very fast moving, uh, sales. Mm-hmm. Um, if honestly, if you're know, working the shop floor and having to flip, uh, Fixtures three or four times on a Saturday. This would have helped with that. Um, so it, it does sound a little unsexy, for lack of a better term. But this is what it's all about. It's it's about improving the consumer experience in store, getting them to where they need to be, um, getting them the the, the 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 product that they need in a timely fashion, uh, and ultimately um, increasing sales for the retailer. Right. This is what we're here to do, and, and this is how you know, this 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 channel can help uh, achieve that.
1: Hope that answers your question. It does answer my question. Uh, Now, because it would be weird for us to do it, we're not going to do it. Can you tell the people a little bit about BroadSign before you sign (laughs) off?
2: Sure, I'd be happy to. So uh, BroadSign is the global leader in uh, out of home technology. Uh, We've been around for a long time. we probably service about 60% of the advertising-based networks um, around the world. Uh, and one thing people, I mean, we're kind of the, the the company that you see us everywhere, but you just don't know we exist because we always kind of sit in the background. Um, you know, we service screens from Times Square to your local shopping center to your movie, cinema, theater, um, uh, and everything in between. Uh, transit, you name it. Um, where people don't know that we're really, really strong is in retail. So... Uh, we service some of the largest retailers in the world who, are, who have really decided that this is what they want to do. They want this consumer experience and this, this, um, you know, this media opportunity, and um, we've been very successful doing it. So um, happy to talk a little bit more about, uh, about us, for sure, but more importantly, um, you know, how, how do you bring this into your environment, and this is what we're to help, here to help with.
1: Perfect. You can find Karim Kanji on LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, the nameplate will have his spelling. Uh, ditto for myself and Sabrina, we're there too. Uh, we never actually really talked about how we want to sign this off. I have something stupid we can do for this first one if you want, but you, you, give your, you give your goodbye first, Sabrina, and then I'll go at the end.
0: Oh, well, whatever I'm gonna say, you're gonna... <laughs> be even funnier than me. So I think I'm just going to keep it very low key and say thank you so much to our listeners. And um, This is exciting. It's our first ever um, episode. So thank you so much for watching, for listening. Um, I'm not going to pull a YouTube influencer, pu- uh, you know, pull and say like, don't forget to like or subscribe. But uh, if you do want to engage with us, we're, we're uh, always available and more than happy to communicate with you. So let's hear what Rob has up his sleeve.
1: Until next time everybody, make sure to check back in in a couple of weeks to see what else we have in store for you.
0: But um ching. Nailed
2: it.